Our text is a brief one this morning, as it was last week. This is God's holy and infallible word from Matthew 5, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is the second sermon in our new morning series, Living Your Blessed Life Now. It's a study of the sermon that most people consider the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount preached by Jesus himself. Uh, We find it there in Matthew 5 through 7. Many people also find this sermon the most difficult sermon to fully understand and the most challenging of all sermons to obey. Oprah and Joel Osteen have encouraged people to live your best life. Well, the best life is the blessed life. And Jesus starts out the Sermon on the Mount with eight blessed are statements, which we call the Beatitudes. And we learn from God's word that a blessed life does not originate from within. A blessed life comes from outside ourselves. The blessed life is from God and his eternal sacrificial love that results in our salvation. On the foundation of the work of Jesus and God's sheer grace, we are blessed. And in response, we want to live grateful lives. Uh, We want to know God's will for how to live for him. Well, the Sermon on the Mount shows us how to do that. Last week, we looked at blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we saw there that Jesus is especially talking about the poor among God's children, those whose material needs are so great that their spirits are crushed by their poverty, but yet they are blessed because through faith in Jesus, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Even if you're living paycheck to paycheck, even if you've got no paycheck coming in at all, You have an inheritance that goes beyond anything in this world. Anyone who believes, the Bible says, has the greatest treasure of all, Jesus and his kingdom. And we saw how that reminds all of us who have much more than we absolutely need on this earth, that there is no comparison between our earthly stuff and the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven God's kingdom is where it's at. That's where our energies and our focus and our love and our hearts are to be. And our mission as a church is for the kingdom of heaven. That's why we're proclaiming God's word and and sharing his love and equipping people to serve in every area of life, all for the sake of our Savior Jesus. Now, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Who is Jesus talking about this time? And why are these people blessed? I mentioned last week in the first sermon that many Bible interpreters spiritualize blessed are the poor in spirit to say It means the spiritually poor, that Jesus is talking about people who realize they have nothing without him. 
And while that's a true statement, without Jesus, we are spiritually impoverished. I don't believe that's what Matthew means by poor in spirit in the first beatitude. In a similar way, some people would say those who mourn refers to those who have a spiritual sorrow for sin. It's very important to have a sorrow for sin. In fact, it's necessary if we want to enter the kingdom. But I agree with interpreters who think that mourning here refers to all sorts of mourning, not only mourning for sin. It includes that, but includes much more. So what I believe God's word brings us to this morning in this beatitude are all of those things that weigh us down as God's children because of the brokenness of life on this earth. Every home on this earth has its cross. Everyone is struggling or suffering in one way or another. Even the most happy-go-lucky person you know has their moments when it's all just too much for them, even if they don't let anyone else see. Just imagine all the tears that have been shed in history on this earth, especially in the quiet and in the loneliness. There's a phrase, it seems like a downer, and I think because of that you don't hear it too much anymore, but I think it's one we need to keep alive because it's true. It's this, that life is a veil of tears. Life is a valley of tears. That phrase used to be more common among Christians. It was originally found in question and answer 26 of one of our confessions, the Heidelberg Catechism, where it said there, and it, they, the translation's different now, but it said there that the Father cares for his children as we live in this valley of tears. And it means that life is full of suffering. I believe everybody in the world suffers, but, but we really believe that Jesus is especially talking to his children, to his people in this sermon. And, and one pastor suggests that God's children, God's people, carry a double portion of pain in their lives. In other words, especially among believers, you'll find those who mourn. And he says that's the case because of all that we endure related to our love for Jesus. The Bible says because we belong to Jesus, we're going to share with him in his sufferings. Plus, if you think about it, as believers, we carry the burden of knowing the ultimate source of pain in life and in this world, and that's the fall into sin. We know that sin has dramatically impacted the heart of every human being ever born. Sin somehow reaches the whole cosmos so that all creation groans under its weight, says Paul. And as believers, we're very aware of all this, and in a sense, it puts a greater burden on our lives, a double portion of mourning. You think of the tears that have been shed by the children of God when you mourn the passing away of a loved one. You know, Jesus himself wept at the death of a friend. Here in this church, we've 
mourn together as God has taken home our loved ones. A father died just earlier this morning, Jim Engel's dad. We've said goodbye to dear spouses, loved grandparents, brothers, sisters, a friend, and maybe hardest of all, parents have mourned the loss of children. And we grieve deeply. It hurts terribly. We mourn as God's people when, when we hear about another cancer diagnosis. We mourn when life goes much differently than we thought it might when we were younger. A couple mourns not being able to have children. A young man, a young woman can mourn not finding a spouse. We mourn when we're not included in a group and feel left out, when we're misunderstood. We can mourn our work situation. It can just pull us down. We mourn when a son or a daughter has made bad choices in life or or when they're suffering for some other reason. In God's providence, we hit this text today, 10 years exactly ago today. Sarah and I were one day away from the arrival of our third child in this world. My mom was in town to help out. It was a time of excitement and anticipation. The baby was going to come. 24 hours later, on January 25, Jacob was in our arms in the hospital room. But there were tears in our eyes. And they weren't tears of joy. We were in mourning. My son didn't make it. God took him right from Sarah's womb to glory for reasons I have no idea. The Lancer family has cried tears of mourning over little Eliza and her struggles during her short time on this earth. Each one of us can make this list even longer. Psalm 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. You know, even if you're not a pessimist, or a worrier by nature. Situations come up and happen for God's children that make us worry, that make us be anxious, that make us want to shout out, that make us lie awake at night, that make us angry. Maybe today you're listening to this and you really haven't experienced mourning. Uh, Maybe you're, you're younger and Tears and pain have not overwhelmed you in your life, and you're like, this is a really depressing sermon. Well, I'm really thankful if that's the case for you, if you can't identify right now. And cadets, I pray and hope you can't identify, but listen today, because unless Jesus first returns, we'll all experience mourning. It's part of living life on this earth. It's part of being a Christian. It's what The Bible says all believers will experience. As God's children, we mourn. And our mourning as the people of God, it goes beyond what just touches us personally and the mourning that touches our loved ones and church family. We we can mourn beyond that for the church as God's people. We know how vital and precious The church is in God's plan. She's called Christ's bride. And yet sometimes what we see, we weep 
The prophet Jeremiah wrestled with the fact that God's people in his day had left the ancient paths of obedience to God's word. And sometimes we wonder about that when we look at the church world today. We see innovations, new ways of doing church. Of course, not all change or new ideas are bad, not at all, but we wonder if some of God's people are being led off the ancient paths. There are false gospels being preached. Christianity light seems to be popular. In an effort to excite and move the crowds, is, is worship in some places becoming more entertainment than God-glorifying? We, we wonder about those things, and we weep when we see the church getting off track. And, and we mourn when we hear churches struggling, when there are issues and conflict, when the devil gets a foothold in churches. I meet once a month with uh, the One Pastors group. I've talked about them before. And these are pastors of other Bible-believing churches right here in Elmhurst. In the last five years, several of our churches in Elmhurst have struggled, struggled with stuff Mighty, mighty struggles and challenges, and we've wept as pastors together, as we've prayed for each other, as we've prayed for churches. We mourn believers who are persecuted for their faith around the world. They say 2015 was perhaps the worst year in the modern era for the persecuted church, the very worst last year. In all of these situations and more, God's people weep. You know, in fact, it would be unthinkable for one of God's children not to care when you see the church struggling. And God's people mourn when we look out at the world, too. We know the constant reminders in the Bible for leaders to ensure justice in the land, for all people to look out and care for the least of these, to help the poor, to look out for the foreigner in the land. And as we look out, God's people weep at injustice. We lament oppressive regimes that trample the poor, that keep power and wealth with the select few at the top. We mourn world hunger Wars and disease, violent crimes, disasters like this snowfall out east resulting in deaths and flooding and damage and pain. Our hearts break with the brokenness of our world as a result of sin and evil. In all of this, Jesus is saying that he knows the tears of his children. And the good shepherd says tenderly to his lambs this morning, Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed, it's that word throughout these verses that gets at the highest state of happiness possible, which can happen when we belong to God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a very strange thing to say that someone who mourns could be the happiest of all, the most fulfilled of all people. Jesus tells us why. It's because those people who mourn, exactly those people, will be comforted. Comfort. Uh, the guys who wrote that confession, the Heidelberg Catechism I mentioned earlier, made comfort the subject of the very first question of their Bible study. What is my only comfort in life and in death? Now, you'd only start out a Bible study 
if you had known, and I'm, they did, if they knew the reality and the depth of mourning in life. And as they carefully studied God's word, they came up with this summary of what Bible says, the Bible says about the key to comfort, that I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Ryan. We're not there quite yet, but that's, that's, that's good. We're going we're gonna to look at it. We're going to recite it a little bit later. But I'm glad you could all see it. The answer goes on to say that Jesus overcame the tyranny of the devil for us. And so we can have comfort because the root cause of all mourning has been taken care of. Jesus has defeated sin and death on the cross and in his resurrection. Maybe you noticed a funny word in the first song of our service talking about the Holy Spirit. We sang, the Father's promised paraclete. Paraclete is from the Greek word for comfort, which is in our text when Jesus says they will be comforted. It's used of God the Holy Spirit in the Bible. He's our comforter. It's used of God the Son. He's called the consolation of Israel. The consolation, our comfort, came to earth in the person and work of Jesus, and the comfort is brought into our hearts and lives by the Holy Spirit. So you think of how cool this is. Jesus himself is speaking the words of our text He came to earth to meet us in our need, and so he must mean himself when he says they will be comforted. He's pointing to himself as he's preaching. He's the answer. He's the solution to all the tears. He's the blessing. And if you put your trust in him this morning, if you're downcast and hurting, whether it's because of your sins, your trials, what you see in this world, you put your trust in him, the promise is that you can experience and enjoy comfort. Jesus says they will be comforted. That's future tense. And it points us to eternal life. It points us to heaven. There are so many mysteries about heaven. There's so much that we wish we knew that the Bible doesn't seem to tell us about heaven. And so, when the Bible does give us some details about heaven, we listen very, very closely. We're very excited about that. Something the Bible does tell us is that when Jesus returns and when we enter glory, our pain and our suffering, all mourning will be gone forever. We think about suffering in our world, and Revelation 7 says, never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. Revelation 21 says, the Lord will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Those hot tears you cry will be wiped away. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's that's something else. The Lord himself is going to wipe away your tears. Can you even imagine it? You'll never, never have to say goodbye to a loved one again. There'll be no more misunderstandings between peoples. 
No more surgeries. No more MRIs and the uncertainties those bring. No more pain and suffering. No more temptations and falling into sin. God's enemies and the great enemy sin will be done away with forever. The future promise, you will be comforted, is so powerful, it's so real, it's so certain because it's a promise of Jesus himself that it impacts our lives now. It brings comfort today. A lot of the reasons for mourning in this life that I've talked about have been sort of adult reasons. But, you know, kids cry too, not cadets. I'm, not, I'm talking about little, little kids, guys. The pain of, of a sibling teasing, falling and scraping a knee, having to go to bed at night. I've seen kids weep about that having to leave mom or dad. And sometimes we're like, come on, stop your crying, buck up. But they are experiencing genuine pain, mourning at their level as little children. But, but then you think of a comfort that your mom or dad can give. You scoop up that little one. You hold her tight. It's always her in my case. You hold her tight. You soothe her sorrow. You rock her. You wipe away those tears. You give her a kiss and say, it's going to be all right. Everything's going to be okay. And the sobbing quiets, and it turns into just this this resting in mom or dad's arms. That's the picture of belonging to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, he gathers his lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't ever be sad or that we don't have to mourn or that we'll never cry. We know better than that. But our grief and our weeping is a totally different type of grief than the mourning of those who don't believe. We are secure and we are at peace as we live our lives close to the Savior. Jesus says to his children, you're going to be okay. In fact, in your mourning, you're in the very best place you can possibly be in this entire cosmos, in this entire world, in my arms, in my presence. One more thought about this beatitude. It helps us in the mission of our church. Being comforted is a key to being the fishers of men that our cadet litany talked about. Because if mourning and pain is such a pervasive issue in our world, every house has its cross. Well, we have some pretty amazing news And the news is that this valley of tears is not all there is in life. There is great hope in glory. It's such a powerful, sure hope, it puts a totally different perspective on our lives today. Jesus is our consolation. 2 Corinthians 1 talks about the mission related to comfort when we read, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, 
who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. We have comfort to share as we send a card, as we make a visit, as we reach out, as we go to Honduras this week, we take the opportunity to serve at Feed My Starving Children in a few weeks, as we give that hug, we comfort people in trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. We share Jesus in this way. So many people have told me what a caring church, faith church is. My family has experienced it. So many of you have experienced it. Well, that type of comfort, that can only come from knowing Jesus. That comfort that we bring as a church, that is a comfort that can only come from Jesus himself. So that means we're on the right track. Let's keep growing together in our only comfort in Jesus as we walk the journey of faith together. And if you're here this morning and you haven't put your trust in this life and the next in Jesus, the only comfort, I invite you to do that and to be part of those who belong to Jesus here at Faith Church. And let's keep sharing his comfort within our church family, definitely, and far beyond as we support other ministries, as we serve those in need, as we recognize pain in neighbors and coworkers, and, and as we pray that the comforter who comforts us in all our troubles would use us to console others. Jesus says to all who believe in him, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. What a promise. What a blessing. What a treasure for God's people to share.